Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're in the home stretch of August and the start of Sunbelt football is so close, Caden. I think I can almost taste it. We'll get to today's episode shortly, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. It was the eighth in our season preview series. We spoke with Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo about the upcoming season for the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. If you haven't already, you'll want to make time to give that episode a listen. Today on episode 104 of the show, we're excited to be continuing our season preview series, this time talking about the Texas State Bobcats. Head coach DJ Kinney is going to join us shortly on the show. This Bobcats team, they finished 4-8 and eight a season ago for the second consecutive year under now former head coach Jake Spavital. This led to the hiring of Incarnate Word head coach G.J. Kinney on December 2nd. Caden, for the first time in a while, there is a real buzz around this Texas State program after the hiring of G.J. Kinney. Donations are up, fan support is up, and now new facilities are in the works. Are you buying what's going down in San Marcos? Oh, I'm buying it, Noah. You know I'm drinking the Texas State Kool-Aid. I don't know how successful they are going to be this season, but just from talking to Coach Kinney, the pulse he has, it seems like, on college football and the direction college football is going. The, the things he was able to do in the transfer portal in his first season kind of reminds me of what Lincoln Riley was able to do at USC, just bringing in talent early, despite not really having much proven at the school, I think is a good sign for recruiting moving forward. I think he's the guy that's going to lead this team in the future and finally capitalize on their geographical footprint, being the only team in Texas in the Sun Belt, being able to recruit that area hard and get the best players in a state that is known for creating and producing great football players. So I'm excited and optimistic about the future of this program. I don't know how much success we're going to see this season. I hope we see a ton. But I think moving forward, just year after year after year, Coach Kenny is going to build something special here. Yeah, we've heard about how good the stadium is on a previous episode, and now the recruiting seems to be matching that. Well, as promised, we're talking Texas State football. The man, G.J. Kinney, is in the house. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Kinney. G.J., thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Oh, yeah. We just got off the practice field. Another good day, so excited to talk to you guys. Hey, Sunbelt football is getting close. Uh, G.J., it was a busy summer for you, you and your staff. Again, you guys were running camps. You're recruiting like crazy. Uh, how much time did you get to spend with your family? What was the summer like for you? Yeah, yeah, I got to spend some quality time. My family went to Hawaii for two weeks and went to, up to Michigan to escape the heat for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I got some some quality time. Obviously, you're always in college football. Uh, at least at Texas State, we're always, you know, recruiting and, and talking to guys and uh, not as much football, but the recruiting is, is still going. But, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy that part of it. So everything is all good. Appreciate you rejoining us on the show, Coach Kenny. A season ago, this was a four and eight football team. This is your first season now with the program. You've got over 50 plus players joining last time we counted. You never know. I have one more call and have one join the team during this podcast. But the coaches have this team currently pegged as fifth in the West. What are your realistic expectations you would say for this team in year one of this new era? Yeah, I think in college football, you know, this day and age, it's just it's especially at this level, it's year to year uh, with the roster turnover, uh, turnover, the coaching turnover. um, You know, you you just never know till you get out there uh, that first Saturday, kind of see what you really got. You know, I think TCU going the national championship last year, um, you know, it's one of those deals where you just never know what can happen. I. I, I wasn't, you know, part of the Sun Belt last year, but I've been told that Troy was was picked 
I think fourth last year or something like that. Um, so it's one of those deals where, you know, every year, um, you know, you got to go out and prove it. Um, you got to replace good players, whether they're graduation portal, whatever. Um, so, um, I, I'm excited about this team. I think we've had a couple of really good practices. Um, I think we're, we got more depth um, on the O-line, D-line uh, than, we, than we've had in the past. I really like uh, our skilled players, uh, uh, our receivers. we got some really dynamic receivers that nobody's talking about, which is, which is good, you know, uh, but they also got to go out there and prove it. Coach, last time we spoke, spring practice had just ended. Uh, you spent the team with this spring kind of getting your players up to speed on the new schemes, establishing a new foundation and culture. With fall camp now underway, from then till now, where have you seen the most growth out of this team? Uh, you know, it's it, it's a little tricky because you know you have people leave in the spring, you have new players coming in in the summer, trickling in through the summer, uh, and then and some guys just showed up last week. So um, I think these first couple of practices have been been really really good just uh, you know teach these guys how we practice uh you know the attention to detail running on and off the field uh taking care of your teammates um the competition um has been really good so uh I, I think just teaching these guys how to practice it is a process you know there's no magic dust or anything you sprinkle on these guys and and say hey we're gonna go win 10 games you know it's, it's a lot of work um you know it's a lot of intentional uh work um a lot of intentional coaching that has to go on and, and teaching these guys how to you know handle themselves um on and off the field for a new head coach in the state of texas you have a huge opportunity to make some noise not just nationally but in this state specifically facing opponents like baylor and utsa on the road to open up the season in those first two weeks what about those two matchups specifically has you most excited heading into this first year yeah, I think it's been great for our recruiting. Um, it really has. Uh, we're, you know, we're always going to recruit Texas high school kids. Um, we have a couple of commits right now, and I know those guys are excited about those games, and and our guys are excited about those games. And and for us, it's a it's a really good benchmark. You're talking about two top twenty five teams that, um, you know, have some of the best coaches in the country. So it'll be a great test for us to to kind of go out there and kind of see where we're at. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's it's really good for for the state. It's really good for our program, um, and and there's not a lot of travel involved too, so that's always good for us. Yeah, definitely, kind of a great way to reintroduce yourself, maybe to those uh, Texas football fans. Coach Mac Leftwich came with you from Incarnate Word, where he served as your offensive coordinator, a role that he'll also have this season at Texas State. He was recently named to twenty four seven Sports' thirty under thirty list. He's one of really those bright young offensive minds in the sport. What's impressed you about him the most about how he handles himself and in this role on this staff? Yeah, he does a great job uh, leading the offense. You know, um, he does a great job building that chemistry with the coaches. Um, everyone has a role um, and, and he holds those guys in that room to a very high standard, um, both coaches and players. So, uh, like you said, Mac is a, a superstar. He's, he's a, a rising coach in this profession and and, uh, you know, I have a lot of faith in him and, and uh, he has a lot of faith in me and there's no egos involved. Um, you know, every time we go out there, uh, you know, we're trying to help each other, you know, score as many points as possible. And and uh, so, yeah, Coach, Coach Leftwich is, is awesome. And and little backstory, his his dad was my offensive line coach at Tulsa in 2010. So that's where the, the original um, connection he was. I remember going out to the Hawaii Bowl and, and seeing Mac run around out there and all that. So it's kind of kind of crazy now that, you know, he's the offensive coordinator here for me.
Staying on the offensive side of the ball, Malik Hornsby was the talk of the town for this offense, just for this athleticism that he brings to the table this offseason. Now you add another SEC name into the mix with the addition of TJ Finley. These are both guys that now have played in what many regard as the most competitive and highest level of college football. What's impressed you about those two and how's that competition been playing out? We know CJ Rogers even is also in the mix as well. Yeah, yeah. Both of those guys um, are really handling their business, CJ as well. But, you you know, I know you're asking more about those two guys. So, uh, you know, Malik has, has really handled himself well. Obviously, him being here in the spring and, and being here all of the summer and, and his athleticism, you know, really sticks out. I think – uh, his knowledge of the offense is is really good. Um, so he, he's been uh, very impressive so far in fall camp. And then you get TJ here that, um, you know, missed a little bit of the summertime, but we were able to Zoom with him and, and do those type of situations. But he's 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 been really impressive, you know, just with his size. I mean, he, he looks like a power forward. I mean, 6'7", 265 pounds. Uh, he's got an extremely strong arm. He's very accurate. I think one of the things that's most impressive is his quick release uh, for being such a big guy. Um, right now for him, it's all about, you know, learning the offense, putting your eyes in the right spot, um, you know, trusting in the protection, all those kind of things that that go in with just not having a ton of reps in the, in the offense. So um, both those guys have done really well. CJ Rogers had his best day today. Um, he's another guy that, um, you know, has been impressive so far. So, you know, at some point, Pretty soon we got to start, you know, narrowing it down to probably two. But right now they're, you know, to be honest with you, they're making it really, really tough on me. So Yeah, Coach, we're not going to ask you to tip your hand, but what goes into that decision-making process? What are traits that you look for in a quarterback in this offensive system that ultimately are going to help you make that decision? Yeah, I think for me, you know, when the guy runs out on the field, um, you know, when, when right now when these guys, each of them run out on the field, I, I feel a certain type of way. Like, oh, yeah, this guy knows exactly what to do. Uh, you know, he's going to be able to handle the pressure. He knows where to go with the ball. If, if it's a blitz here, like the guy that can handle himself and process and uh, ultimately score, score points, you know, we'll, we'll have our first half scrimmage tomorrow. So I'll know a lot more after that, but you know, the quarterback position is such a hard eval, uh, especially when they can't go live because, you know, football is, is a violent game. And so when those guys, those those defense alignment right now, when they get close to the quarterback, we blow the whistle. We're in the game, you know, there ain't no blowing the whistle. Um, so I think that that's such a hard eval. But, um, you know, I think for me and, and Coach Leftwich, you know, both of those guys, we play the quarterback position. So we might, you know, see things a little bit differently than some people. So um, the, all three of those guys have been done a really good job. And P.J. Hatter, a, a, you know, a true freshman is another guy that I think has a bright future. Um, you know, he's continuing to do some really good things. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I really am excited about that group though. I think, I think we have an opportunity, um, especially in this offense to, you know, be in that upper tier, um, discussion when you're talking about quarterbacks and really with, with all three of those guys that they rolled out there. Well, I'm certainly feeling bad for your scoreboard operator who has to operate that during, uh, your scrimmage this weekend. Uh, Coach, this team got some bad news on the eve of fall camp when it was announced that Lincoln Perry would miss the season after that knee injury. He was this team's leading running back a season ago. With him no longer able to contribute to the run game, what names and faces should we expect to now see maybe shoulder some of that load that he was expected to carry? Yeah, obviously that was very unfortunate. But Lincoln's been great. Uh, he's been like a coach out there. He's uh he's a stud, you know. He has his crutches and he's he's throwing them up in the air when, when the offense does good. So he's he's a stud, and uh, you know I hate that for him, but he's going to come back stronger than ever. And and 
you know, so I'm really, really happy with, with, you know, his attitude and how he carries himself uh, being injured. Uh, I think, you know, Calvin Hill um, is a guy that's just, just very steady. He uh, does everything right. Um, he's a really good runner. He's got great vision, got great balance, played a lot of football. Um, Jeter is another guy, big guy, 6'2", probably 225 pounds, strong, uh, great hands for being a big guy. Denario Davenport is a guy that, um, you know, who's the uh, at Kilgore Junior College. That he was that that conference's uh, offense MVP. Uh, he really flashed this spring and, and so far during fall camp. Um, you know, he's another 6'1", 200-plus guy that has great athleticism. I, I recruited him back when I was at Hawaii, when he was at Mansfield High School, um, and and really, really liked him then. And then he went to Kilgore Junior College, and I continue to recruit him there. So I've known Denario for a long time. Uh, has a, you know, basketball background. He's a, he, he's pretty special, uh, to be honest with you. He's, he's a big-time player. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how, how his role unfolds this, this fall. Uh, and then Ishmael Mahdi uh, is a guy that kind of is a take the top off guy. You know, he can play, you know, he can score from from any place on the field. Um, he's a legit 4-4, got great hands out of the backfield, um, got better vision than you think. He was at Houston Christian last year, so I got a firsthand look at him. Uh, you know, he was up for the Jerry uh, Rice Award, which goes to the top freshman in the FCS. So, um, you know, I, I feel really good about that group. Um, I think, you know, as, as these scrimmages go and, and, you know, as fall camp goes, um, you know, obviously we'll kind of know more about those guys, but that's probably the one group, you know, all those guys were here in the spring. So I, I feel pretty good about, you know, where those guys are at and kind of their roles. Um, but I could see a running back co- by committee, especially early kind of seeing, you know, once that game time rolls around who kind of steps up. Well, one of the guys that's going to be clearing the way for those running backs is Big Nash Jones. We got to speak to him at Sunbelt Media Days. He's one of nine transfers you bring in from UIW. And several of those guys, including Nash, are on that offensive line. I know how big and how important for me personally continuity is when evaluating an offensive line. How is bringing so many guys who know the scheme and that are familiar, how is that contributing and how is that helping that offensive line kind of get up to speed and probably going to lead to a lot of success up front this year for your team? Yeah, I think it all starts with Nash. Uh, he's a great player, great person, 4.0 student. Um, he, he's done, you know, great this fall. Obviously, in the spring, he had a terrific spring. Uh, but then you have a, you, you do, you know, Caleb Johnson's another guy that played with us. Uh, Jamedo Obibo, another guy that played with us. Dorian Strong played a lot of snaps. Uh, Ameka Obibo, you know, Jamedo's brother didn't play as much, um, but you know, you really see that that leap um, just being in the system from him. Another guy that that you know hasn't played a lot of football, but has taken that next step and someone that, you know, that we're counting on. And then, well, you know, we have, you know, those transfers that came in, man, they're, they're really talented. Uh, you know, I think it starts with Bray Walker, the transfer group, uh, man, he's ever been a six, eight. I think he was three ninety on his official visit. He's down to the three sixty now, three fifty five. So he's, uh, he's, he's, he, he's had a really good fall camp. He's been a pleasant surprise. You know, he's the number one offensive lineman, um, in the country coming out of high school and, and, you know, the talent was there, but you know, he's also at OU, you know, the, the OU's had some, some pretty good offensive linemen in the last couple of years, um, you know, go play in the NFL and get drafted. So, uh, he's been around some really good coaching, um, and sometimes just a fresh start. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of pressure going in when you're the number one player in the country, number one guy in that draft cl- or in that signing class to go there and perform early. And, and he's, he's played some at OU, but, um, I think it's all for him just getting in shape and learning the offense, but he, he's been a pleasant surprise uh, for sure up front. 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to watching that offensive line play in this new system. Coach, last time we spoke, you talked about the aggressive defensive scheme that you and Jonathan Patkey uh, employ, which is really predicated on strong defensive line play and kind of activity up front. Now that we're into fall camp, which D linemen have maybe impressed you and who could be maybe breakout candidates at that position this year for this team? Yeah, I think it starts with Jordan Revels, uh, just because his experience in this conference and his experience uh, playing, uh, man, that dude is really special. Um, he really is. He's not the biggest guy, but the way he's able to bend and he's very uh, football savvy. He's got a lot of uh, football IQ to him, high IQ guy. So I uh, really like where Revels is at. I think Ben Bell's probably that guy that you're talking about as far as breakout. Obviously, his brother was uh, really had a lot of production uh, in this league last year. And I could see him, you know, kind of stepping into that same type of role that his brother did. And, and so uh, I would say Ben is probably that breakout guy. Staying on that defense, that side of the ball has a lot of new faces, but you bring back pieces like Revels, like you mentioned, like a Tory Spears who returned to the program after impressive seasons last year. What would you say their impact has been not only on the field, but off the field as guys who've spent extended amount of time with this program, kind of taking some guys under the wing and getting people acclimated with the program? Yeah, I think those guys have, have done a really good job. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thankful for those guys for giving me an opportunity and staying and, and you know, playing their last year here because uh, it's been very easy for them to to hop in the portal and, and go elsewhere. And and uh, but those guys believed in us. They believed in these coaches. And and uh, so so, you know, very thankful for those guys for doing that. You know, I think same type deal. You know, you have guys like Sean Holton and Sam Latham and Caleb Colt coming over from UIW. Um, they have a lot of experience in this defense. And, and uh, you know, so I think it's 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 been really good to see those guys, um, you know, that chemistry build on defense. Um, so I, I think the defense is going to surprise some people this year. I'm really excited to watch those guys go out there and play. And, and uh, you know, those, those guys have been flying around. You know, we, we make it really hard with our tempo and practice and how fast we go. You know, when that game time rolls around, it's, you know, it's it's one of those deals where, you know, they're able to communicate better. We like to make things harder in practice than it is in the games. Coach, you told us that uh, your wide receiver unit's being slapped on a little bit, so we figured we'd leave it for the last question here. What has you excited about that group? I know Ashton Hawkins is there. What's the ceiling for that group this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this group. Uh, Ashton, I think it starts, like you said, with Ashton Hawkins. I mean, that guy is is dynamic. I know he got hurt towards the end of the year. I think he's really transformed his body. Um, the dude is is really, really impressive. Um, he's really fast. Uh, he's just a good football player. You know, he's just he's one of those guys that, um, you know, he I watched his basketball highlights. He was the best player on the court. You know, on, on the football field, he's impressive. He's just good at everything. Um, so he, he's been really impressive. I love Ashton. Um, we have a great relationship and uh, really excited to see him, you know, kind of take that next level, that next step to, to his game. So uh, Cole Wilson's another guy that we had at UIW um, last year, really came on late. Um, he was a true freshman last year, had a couple punt returns for touchdowns, caught a game winner um, in a playoff game. Uh, so Cole Wilson is is another guy that just kind of is the same guy every day. You know, he's a four four guy, forty over forty inch vertical. Just uh, you know, he, he was he was probably one of the steals of the whole portal. You know, he entered the portal and came to us and and uh, was kind of done with it. Didn't talk to any other schools. Um, you know, he knew he wanted to come here and play for us. So 
Um, you know, that, that was, that was definitely a still the portal there. Um, Joey Hobart's another still the portal, uh, had over 1200 yards receiving last year at Utah tech started off at Washington state with, with coach uh, Stutzman there went to, to Utah tech with him. Now he's over here with us. So, um, you know, he's a big time player. Um, you can just tell he's played a lot of football before, um, uh, you know, he's kind of like a coach's kid, you know, his dad played in the NFL for a long time. And, uh, you know, he just, you can tell he's been around the game a lot. Doesn't, he doesn't, wears no, uh, gloves. He's the, he's the old school, you know, no, just tape on his hands and goes out there and, and has really impressive hands, runs really good routes. Um, you know, he's another guy that's, that's, you know, probably a four, 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 five guy. Um, and, and so he's, he's been really impressive as well. Um, and then obviously you bring in, you know, Bo Corrales and Sean Shaw and, and, and some other guys like that combined with the Julian Ortega Jones, that's already been here, a Drew Donnelly. That's a, uh, has a lot of speed. Um, so I feel really good about that room. You got a true freshman, um, you know, Chris Don that just got here from Mesquite Horn that I recruited, uh, for a really long time. Um, when I was at UIW and, and, you know, he was committed to a, another school. Um, and when I got the job here, I was able to get him flipped over to Texas state. So, uh, he, he's another guy that's been really, really impressive. Um, a lot of speed. Um, so I, I really like that receiver group. I, I think, you know, I, I haven't been around the Sun Belt. I don't know what's going on, but you know, that group right there, it could be, be up there with any group I've, I've been a part of. So. Well, there's certainly no denying that this Texas State team is going to have plenty of weapons uh, heading into the season. Coach, last question here. You're a must-follow on Twitter. I saw that uh, dive or whatever you wanted to call that the other day on Twitter. It was a pretty strong wave pattern. And I wanted to ask, what is the key to a successful cannonball? Yeah, I went with the can opener. You know, I've got some, you know, good reviews, some bad reviews from 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 uh, the critics um, out there. But uh, I think the splash, you know, what, what, what's that looking like? You know, you get a big splash, small splash, and, and to, you know, I'm, I'm 230 pounds, you know, maybe 235. I don't know. Um, but I thought the splash was, was good, um, you know, so it was, it was a good day, a great recruiting event. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we get some more uh, jumps in the water here soon. Well, we are certainly looking forward to the upcoming season for Texas State. GJ, thanks for uh, joining us on the Ferrari and Smith podcast again. Appreciate you. Kate, and I don't know about you, but every time we talk with Coach Kinney, I come away excited. The guy seems to eat, sleep, and breathe college football, and he certainly has this Texas State program headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think if both of us were in the transfer portal, Noah and Coach Kinney was in our ear and on our phone, we both know where we'd be taking our talents. He definitely has some excitement, and he's great at generating that excitement about the program. And just from talking to him from the spring to the fall, it's definitely good to hear where this team has improved, where he knows they need to continue to work as they ramp up for this exciting debut season with him at the helm. Caden, taking away you know, from that interview, I think one of the things that we're going to talk about it a little bit more later on is it, it feels like he's really excited about that offensive line unit. They've got a lot of pieces coming back from Incarnate Word, and it feels like that's kind of the start of what could be a very dynamic offense once again this season. Yeah, I mean, he could just build his offensive line from Incarnate Word players. He has five guys that came from that school to this school on the offensive line, and I think that's where... Everything all starts and ends. Everyone likes to hear about the flashy transfer portal additions at quarterback, at wide receiver, wherever you may have it. But if this team can be effective up front, if they can give whoever's at quarterback time, if they can give whoever is at running back some lanes to run through, I think it's going to be a massive 
upgrade and a huge like just area of success for this team if they're able to do that. It all starts in the trenches. If they don't have time to do what they have to do and operate efficiently, they're not going to be nearly as efficient as they can be. But I think they could potentially reach kind of closer to their ceiling than their floors in offense if that offensive line unit is as solid as we think it can be. Caden, Colorado has certainly got a lot of the talking points about their usage of the transfer portal in the offseason. Texas State, though, very similar. They have 50 new guys, and this is a Texas State team that finished 4-8 and eight, uh, last season in their final season under Jake Spavital. That firing ended an era that saw Texas State go just 13-35 and 35 since 2019. There were some bright spots last season, though, including a home win over none other than App State, a narrow loss to Troy, as well as Southern Miss and ULM. Caden, now under new leadership, this program will look to get to their first bowl game in program history. This is a completely new roster, and there is finally some excitement in San Marcos. What are your expectations for year one of the G.J. Kinney era at Texas State? Yeah, I'm not going to throw out any records or bowl games or achievements like that. Even statistically, it's going to be hard to tell with some of the toughness of their games. But overall, I just expect to see improvement. You talked about some of those games and moments last season. We saw some life out of Texas State we just haven't seen anymore. And it got to the point where during the season, when teams were pulling up to Sam Marcus late in the season, they were playing so well at home and they had a different kind of energy and vibe that I kind of felt worried about any team that was going to play at Texas State with a home field advantage. So I think off the field, just character-wise, culture-wise, if they can continue to build on some of the small things we saw last season, plus Coach Kenny's kind of mantra and what he has going on, pairing with that, I think this team is bound for improvement. I think the win-loss record goes up. I think the close games go up, and I think the overall production of both sides of the ball goes up, especially in conference play. Outside of conference play is a different conversation, but I think within conference play, specifically in the West, I think they're going to give teams their best shot, and that's something that this team really can't say they did in the past. Yeah, I think we will probably have to revisit this question after about three, four weeks of the season to kind of get uh, maybe the temperature of this team. There's just so many moving pieces, new parts that it's really hard to pinpoint what type of season uh, this Texas State program is going to have. Caden, another thing that's been hard to pinpoint right now is this quarterback situation. You mentioned it in the interview. Malik Hornsby committed to this program earlier in the year, and the assumption was that he'd be the starting quarterback. Then G.J. Kinney goes into the portal again and brings T.J. Finley, the former Auburn quarterback, into the house. What seemed like a foregone conclusion, Caden, uh, that Hornsby would be the week one starter no longer really feels that way. What do you make of this quarterback situation and who do you think will come out on top and get handed the keys to what is expected to be a pretty electric offense? I mean, it's a pick your poison scenario, and it's a great one to be in. I think if you're Coach Kenny, you have two SEC caliber quarterbacks duking it out in what's unarguably the most talented quarterback battle that we have in the conference right now. We've talked about Hornsby's world class speed and athleticism in the offseason and what he brings to the table. I think his rushing ability alone kind of gives this offense and Coach Kenny that Lindsey Scott 2.0 kind of vibes. And I think that's something he's excited about. But I think he must not have been super, super excited about it because you just feel like anytime you add a quarterback, to your roster through the transfer portal after spring practice, there might've been maybe some deficiencies in his game or some things he maybe saw that he didn't like during spring practice with Hornsby. So I think him adding Finley to the mix, it's going to be tough for him to learn the playbook as well as Malik did with that given time. But I think when you look at him as a prospect, as a player, as just the raw talent he has, this is a guy who's six foot seven, 255 pounds. He's an absolutely absolute unit. He has an NFL caliber arm. And I think 
if he is able to learn this offensive system, he will be able to deal and get the things done that this offense wants to get done, particularly in the passing game. He's played in various offensive systems, being at LSU, being at Auburn. So maybe that'll help him be able to pick this one a little bit faster. But I think he has the ability to get it done. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw two quarterbacks playing on the field for this team. But I think if I had to pick one today, I would pick Finley just because he did get brought in. I think he'll be able to come in and maybe accomplish some of the things in the passing game with that big level arm. But I do think there are going to have packages for Malik Hornsby. He has too much athletic ability. He's oozing with just traits that keep defenses on their toes. If I had to bet money right now, I would bet Finley's going to be the starter, but we will see a heavy dose of Malik Hornsby throughout the season. Certainly a fascinating balancing act will take place uh, with those two uh, strong quarterbacks on the roster. One of the biggest beneficiaries of this new style of offense in San Marcos, Caden, is going to be those wide receivers. Ashton Hawkins is back after a 56-catch, 587-yard and seven-touchdown season for Texas State last year. This Texas State team, they're bringing back three of their top five wide receivers, including Charles Brown and, and Julian Ortega-Jones. Plus, Caden, they've added a number of guys from that transfer portal. Coach Kinney mentioned several of them. Cole Wilson from Incarnate Word, Bo Corrales from SMU, Joey Hobart out of Utah Tech, and Drew Donnelly from Cincinnati, just to name a few. Caden, it really sounded like Coach Kinney feels like this unit is being slept on heading into the season. Are you in agreement with him? Yeah, they're definitely getting slept on, but just know Caden Smith is very much awake on this unit. I'm calling it now for Ashton Hawkins. I think he will be the breakout performer at the wide receiver position in the entire conference this year. I think just based on his production last year and what we'll see this year could be night and day. I think Incarnate Word had 2,000-yard receivers last year. This conference alone had 2,000-yard receivers last year, so I'm not saying he's going to do all that, but he might, and I think this dude is a guy in the slot who's one of those unguardable, smaller frames. Coach Kenny did say he worked on some of his body this offseason, so he might be built a little bit differently as well. But this guy is extremely shifty, extremely hard to guard. And I think a lot of the bread and butter of this offense this year will be getting that guy the ball in space. You mentioned Charles Brown returning as the team's third leading Caesar, Caesar receiver from last season. But I previously mentioned on this podcast, I love the Bo Corrales edition, just a guy who's been at SMU, been at UNC. He's an experienced big body, who I think is going to be a very reliable target for whoever's playing quarterback for this team out wide in this offense. I think he is just a kind of the reliable security blanket. I think that a team like this is going to need if things get a little bit hairy, if the offense isn't quite clicking the way it should be. They obviously have a ton of other pass catchers in the portal that I'm not going to mention all of them, but I think Cole Wilson coming from UIW, who knows the system well, is someone we could expect big things from. Joey Herb Hobart comes in from Washington State. He has some proven production as well. And I think that his year at Utah Tech at the FCS level, he was an FCS All-American, 90 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. He always bring, he also brings value in the return game. So those are like the three transfer portal guys that I have expectations for. The other guys, we'll see. But I think between that and what they have already built with Charles Brown and Ashton Hawkins, I have high hopes for this unit for sure. Okay, now I'm fixing to sound like a broken record here, but with 50-plus new players on this roster, that offensive line will once again look very different this fall. You've got four starters gone, including second-team All-Sun Belt honoree Kyle Hergel, who's now at Boston College. Jaden Smith is the lone starter back this season, but the team brings in five O-linemen from Incarnate Word, including Big Nash Jones, Caleb Johnson, uh, Himento, a big bow, um, who each have 20-plus career starts. Plus, you get Bray Walker from Oklahoma, who was a highly rated recruit out of high school. Caden, I'm expecting to see notable improvement out of this Texas State offensive line heading into this season. 
Yeah, it's definitely an interesting unit because they lose those four starters from a season ago, including an all-conference caliber player like Kyle Herget, like you mentioned. But I think GJ bringing in all those offensive linemen from the portal, and normally my worry is about continuity on the offensive line, just putting a bunch of plug-and-play pieces. Typically, it doesn't work for offensive line. You need all your guys to be on the same page, and I'm just big as far as continuity goes on the offensive line. But he kind of soothed all that by bringing so many guys in from Incarnate Word, including two guys who were teammates at Oklahoma too. So I think the familiarity with this group, you talked about Nash Jones and that leadership as well. I think he's going to be able to kind of be the glue up front, keep this unit on the same page, have them have one brain. And I think as far as positions go, if you're building a new team, you want to build it up front first. It's clear that Coach Kinney had this as a priority. You talked about Bray Walker, the five-star prospect who was one of the highest rated recruits at offensive line. He has all the size in the world, all the talent in the world. Hopefully they can help unlock that too. But I'm not really nearly as worried about this unit as I would normally be as far as just kind of having a makeshift transfer portal unit just because of the continuity. And I think if this unit can be the strength of this offense, I truly think the sky's going to be the limit for the unit. Yeah, certainly a, a solid offensive line will go a long way to help unlocking this offense that uh, G.J. Kinney has promised to light up the scoreboard with. Well, switching sides of the football to talk defense, Caden, G.J. touched on it in the offseason and reaffirmed it again in this interview. They want to be physical at the line of attack. New defensive coordinator Jonathan Patkey is known for his aggressive approach. This team gave up 26.3 points per game and 361 yards of total offense last season. The defense is once again going to be led by guys like Jordan Revels and Torrey Spears, but there are a lot of new bodies on this side of the ball. Caden, does the amount of new players and lack of returners have you nervous at all about this Texas State defense? It definitely does, just because when you look at the offensive side of the ball and some of the proven production over there and some of the continuity from guys transferring in from Incarnate Word, there's just a little bit less worry over there, especially with Coach Kinney being a very offensive-minded guy. But on the defensive side of the ball, there's just a little bit less of that. Some of the transfer portal guys are a little bit more unproven. And I think when you look at this defense last year, it was actually a pretty solid unit just given their circumstance. But I think a lot of those players are now gone. You have new life into the program, a lot of question marks. So I do think it's going to be interesting for this unit, especially if the offense is as good as we're advertising it to be or as it should be, because everyone knows with these up-tempo style of offenses who could potentially score a lot of points, that means your defense is on the field a lot. So I would anticipate if this offense is running at an efficient level, maybe expect it to be one of the worst units in the conference just because they haven't been put in this situation and aren't prepared for it. Think about what Georgia Southern saw last year. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to lose a ton of games, but I do think this will be the weakness of the team heading into the season when you just look on paper. Up front, Texas State could be better than they were in 2022, a season in which they had 27 sacks, which was actually one short of the school record for the Bobcats. Patkey's defense was fifth in the FCS in TFLs a season ago at Incarnate Word. But, Caden, you're doing this without Levi Bell, who was a first-team honoree and a true force last year. He's no longer with the team. Sam Latham uh, will see significant snaps up front alongside transfers from Texas, Duke, Northwestern, Utah State, Boise State, and other programs. Caden, this unit was one of the strengths of this team last year, but it's completely remade. They've got the size up front, but do you think it's going to translate into success? We'll have to see. I think Coach Packey definitely has his work cut out for him. Up front, this defense last year was actually sublime in the run game. They were fourth best, holding teams to 117 yards per game on the ground. But the bad news is this is a completely different unit. It's a total rebuild. I think when you look at all the position groups, this is the one where it's almost the biggest rebuild. But 
Of course, we love Jordan Revels on this podcast. This is a guy that excelled up front and is extremely disruptive. He's going to have his hand more on the ground this year, not as a linebacker, but more as a defensive end. So I'm very excited for him just because of what Coach Kenny was talking about as far as the style of this defense that's built for defensive linemen. I expect him to excel and be a huge beneficiary of that. But outside of him, who's going to get it done for this team? As you mentioned, losing Levi Bell is a huge loss. He was one of the best, if not the best, at the conference at the position. They lose other three important, valuable guys who are big contributors. His brother, Ben Bell, thankfully played amazing in the spring game. Coach Kinney mentioned him as a potential breakout guy. Sam Latham, as you mentioned, comes in from, you guessed it, Incarnate Word, and he was a starter there last season where he was extremely productive. He had 42 tackles, 10 TFLs, four sacks. So as far as those three players, I have big expectations and high hopes for them to possibly be disruptive. But outside of that, tons of transfers. You mentioned the pedigree of a lot of those schools. You have guys coming from Texas, Northwestern, Duke, but not a lot of those guys had a ton of production. When you look back at the box scores, they did not start a ton. They didn't do a ton for this team. So the verdict is still out on that on those players. But I think they're going to have a couple pieces that they can rely on. But outside of that, it's going to be who can step up and maybe join those pieces and kind of pick up the slack for this defensive line. Yeah, this new era of college football, certainly a two-edged sword. Uh, the portal giveth, and sometimes the portal taketh away. Uh, before we talk schedule, Caden, let's talk about this secondary. It's one of the more experienced units, though, on this Texas State defense. You've got Torrey Spears back after starting nine games last year. He'll be joined by Alonzo Edwards and Chris Mills, who started a combined 14 games a season ago. Much like other position groups, on this defense, you've got transfers from Oklahoma, Washington State, Mizzou, West Virginia, and you guessed it, Incarnate Word. Caden, they'll be more experienced this season on the back end, plus the secondary has gotten better in each of the last three seasons. Do you think that they can take another step forward this fall? I think that they can. Cordell Rogers is obviously a huge loss. He had a pretty historic career, if you look statistically, at Texas State. He's playing in Canada now. We wish him the best but Chris Mills and Alonzo Edwards return to those corner spots and they played a lot last year they got some starts they made an impact last season I like them at those corner spots so I'm not really worried there to Jordan Mask is gone he was who started at that other safety spot alongside Tory Spears spoke to Tory at media days he's a big body did not expect him to be that big and I think from talking to him we know he's more motivated than he's ever been this season so I'm really excited about the year he can have and I think there should be some nice competition at that other safety spot alongside Spears there's, of course, various transfer portal DBs that entered this unit. But I think when you look at the pieces they already have in the secondary and pair that with some of the guys who might not be as proven at those defensive back spots, I think it can only raise the competition of this group. I think when you have some strength in a unit already and you bring them some transfers who are maybe unproven, they can help bring those guys along speed and maybe even up and elevate that competition and maybe give them some more depth. I think when you look at linebacker position we didn't talk about on this podcast, they don't have that. They just have a bunch of guys coming in. They're going to have to fight out and see who got it. But I think at the defensive back spot, I have a little bit more confidence. Same with defensive line a little bit, where you have some kind of the guys at the top who have some experience who can maybe bring some guys along. So I actually have pretty high hopes for the secondary. I think they're going to be challenged and be on the field quite a bit. So hopefully they can perform if that offense is clicking at a high clip. But again, they practice against a great offense every day, it seems like, who has that up-tempo and that style. So hopefully that preps them more for this season as well. I think out of all the secondary units in the conference who might have lost some pieces, I'm a little bit more confident and bullish on this one compared to some others. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of fascination surrounding Texas State heading into the 2023 season. Let's talk about their schedule, Caden. The over-under currently sits at four and a half, according to Las Vegas. Uh, the new G.J. Kinney era is certainly going to get started with a bang, including back-to-back -back road games at Baylor and at UTSA, who lost to Troy in last year's Cure Bowl. 
Then you've got matchups against Jackson State, the FCS program that Deion Sanders left. You've got Nevada that are both potentially winnable games this year. Caden, then you're on the road at Southern Miss in Louisiana to end September before welcoming ULM, Troy, and Georgia Southern for three consecutive home games at the end of October and into early November. Then you end the season facing Coastal Carolina and South Alabama in two of your last three games of the year. I'll admit, Caden, drawing Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina as their East Division opponents this year definitely doesn't help their outlook, but it's so hard right now to pinpoint wins on this schedule given all the new pieces we just talked about. But, Caden, if this team can show promise in the first four weeks of this season, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that they'll be in the conversation uh, for the program's first bowl appearance this fall. God, that would be so electric if this team could make a bowl game this year. I think that's what we're going to all be rooting for, just because we have realistic expectations for this team. We know there's a lot of excitement around the program. It's talking season, so it's great to talk about the potential of this team and the damage they could do under Coach Kenny. But when you look at some of these matchups on paper, it is just tough to pick this team. Are you going to pick them against Baylor and UTSA to start the season? Not many people are going to do that. At Southern Miss and at Louisiana, those are tough picks as well. You talk about Troy and South Alabama also being the class of the West. So I think it's tough to kind of pencil in this team for some wins this year. But ideally, you hope they can have a Georgia Southern-esque year where they're competing at a high level in all of these games, pulling off and surprising some teams and some wins with some wins. I think that's all that really matters for this team is showing some improvement. I think they're going to be able to do that. Obviously, if you're a member of this team, if you're a coach on this team, if you're a fan of this team, you're worried about the win-loss record. But I think as an outside observer watching them from afar, just very excited to see how they can improve, if they can improve, and what they're going to be capable of in this new era that they're issuing in. Yeah, I, I would have to say the biggest key heading into this season, Caden, is just a positive step forward. Uh, there's so much momentum. Um, certainly that offense that they're going to be running is, is something that recruits are going to want to. We're already seeing big recruiting classes in 24 and 25. So a lot of momentum down in San Marcos. Well, that's going to do it for our Texas State preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. A special thank you goes to Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney, as well as their associate AD, Chris Coots. Uh, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that the Frary and Smith podcast will return on Monday. Our season preview series takes the drive up the mountain to Boone, North Carolina, as we welcome App State head coach Sean Clark uh, to talk about the Mountaineers' upcoming season and what was probably Caden's favorite episode of the offseason. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be right back.